This week, we speak with just-elected Regional Chief Paul Prosper and to the new Minister Responsible for Indigenous Affairs and Reconciliation for Newfoundland and Labrador. I'm Glenn Wheeler, and this is Mi'kmaq Matters, a podcast about Mi'kmaq people, politics, land and water. This is episode 151, and a thank you to listeners like Alan Grace, who support us via patreon.com forward slash Mi'kmaq Matters, or via email transfer, mi'kmaq.matters at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone, for your financial support. Newfoundland and Labrador has a new premier and a new minister responsible for Indigenous Affairs and Reconciliation. We'll be speaking with Lisa Dempster later in the program. But first, Paul Prosper, or PJ Prosper as many call him, is the new regional chief for the island of Newfoundland and for Nova Scotia. He's the representative for 15 Mi'kmaq First Nations at the AFN. Chief Prosper is a lawyer and the chief of Buckingham First Nation in Nova Scotia, and has worked for and with First Nations in that province and in PEI. Four people made the shortlist for regional chief. As we'll hear from Chief Prosper, the three others were women, among them Judy White from Flat Bay in Newfoundland, who is a lawyer also, and the current chair of the Human Rights Commission of Newfoundland and Labrador. Chief Prosper replaces Morley Gugu, he was fired after charges of gender-based harassment against him were confirmed. I spoke with Chief Prosper about the job and the challenges ahead. First, uh, Chief, congratulations on uh, being elected as regional chief. I suppose you're busy these days uh, closing uh, one chapter and starting the other. What is it? Uh, packing boxes and cleaning out your your uh, desk drawers, I suppose, uh, right now. Um, you're exactly right. I'm working on transition issues from my um, soon-to-be former position as uh, chief of uh, Buckingham Mi'kmaq Nation to uh, and then opening the chapter of the office of regional chief. And are you going to uh, stay in Buckingham or are you going to uh, will you be working out of Halifax, or what's what's your plan in that regard? Uh, at present, I, I intend to uh, stay in Buckingham, and um, currently, you know, uh, in the process of figuring out if um, there, you know, is a sub office is needed um, to um, help out with some of the logistics of setting up the office. Now. Uh if I could ask you a specific uh, Newfoundland question, the Halibu uh, AGM is coming up uh, later this month. I don't know uh, if that's a bit too soon for you to get down there or if you have any plans to travel to Newfoundland uh, for that uh, event or any other in the near future. I certainly would welcome the opportunity to um, go uh, to Newfoundland and participate if, you know, the opportunity did arise. I think there's certainly a distinct need to um, meet people, to um, understand what, you know, are the, the major issues that the Halibut ban is facing and, you know, just to um, figure out those things that are key and central to um, 
through their band and uh, more extensively to, you know, Newfoundland as well. Yes. I think it's important to um, have that direct contact and firm understanding of the issues that exist. So I, I certainly would welcome that opportunity. So if, uh, if Chief Mitchell and Councillor are listening right now, they can uh, put out the... Uh out the invite uh, for you. Originally, you were the contact person for the uh, for the posting for regional chief when it went up. But I guess somewhere along the way, you thought that you yourself would um, would uh, offer yourself for the role. So tell us about the uh, the chronology of uh, of what happened uh, between February and your and your recent election. Um, essentially, you know, um, the even. You know, while um, uh, the former regional chief was in office, there was always, um, you know, a plan to try to formalize things, to um, to bring more substance to the role and to the office. And, you know, it was, I think, much needed. And initially I helped out um, just to help solidify some of the essential issues of um you know what needed to be done, and then obviously, you know there there, there was a team, of, group of people, another chief, and they just sort of took over from there and helped, you know, do the heavy lifting and things of that nature, just to set up sort of the the process and things of that nature, just to get the ball rolling. I mean, so you know initially. You know, a bit of a role there, but um, certainly people that are quite capable uh, played uh, the bulk of that. Each of the uh, regions in in, uh, in the country have uh, each of the affiliates of EFN have their own um, election uh, procedure for for regional chief. Uh, tell us how it worked um, uh, for for your position. Uh, is there um, I mean, I guess the electorate is, uh, you have a small electorate. You have 13 Nova Scotia chiefs and two in, in Newfoundland. So the uh, you have a pool of uh, 15 electors. So it's not like a federal election where you're going door to door and uh, knocking on lots of doors. Tell us how the process works. Yes. Um, well, a lot of it was just sort of um, according to that team that sort of helped put it together and initiate the, you know, the process, they um, sort of had to draft and come up with sort of certain procedures related to the election of the Office of Regional Chief and, you know, uh, various postings and, you know, screening uh, taking place uh, from representatives uh, within Newfoundland and Nova Scotia to, you know, it was a highly sought-after position, and um, to narrow the field down to get it um, to a manageable level of four uh, people, and then from there, uh, another process of uh, four individuals coming before um, the uh, chiefs and uh, providing their um, Sort of position and uh, ideas on how they would fulfill the mandate of that position. Do you recall how many people were initially interested in that larger pool before it was uh, went down to four? 
I um I I, I don't have uh, any idea on numbers. I I just can only imagine that there there were a significant number of people, and I'm sure a lot of them, not all quite highly qualified and capable. I I I only know indirectly because you know I'm I wasn't involved in the process um, for you know the significant portion of it, but um, I, I can share that with you. Um, I'm a bit reluctant because, you know, um, but, you know, as I understand, Chief Andrea Paul, um, uh, uh, a Mi'kmaq lawyer by the name of uh, Rosalie Francis, and another uh, Mi'kmaq lawyer, I believe, by the name of Judy White, so there was four of us. Of course, we're in the uh, in COVID time now. So was there a a meeting where all the all fifteen chiefs were together and each of the candidates spoke, or it, it was it conducted more uh, sort of remotely, uh, as many things are these days? I, I'm I'm not sure if uh, it was all done remotely. Um, um, in in the sense of it, it was held. In darkness, um, so I, I, I believe uh, uh, those ones that were in Nova Scotia uh, attended in person, and I can only imagine, but I'm not certain of, you know, the one from Newfoundland, Judy, in that regard. So it was it was kind of like any other job interview. Then you meet you went to meet uh, uh, a number of the chiefs. Some were interviewed about your your application, your qualifications, and your your uh, aspirations for the position. Exactly. Um, you know, they had the opportunity to look over, um, you know, uh, TVs, cover letters, um, and then uh, the presentation followed by uh, questions. So let's Let's talk about the position of regional chief because it's um, you have been a chief, uh, but now you're going to be a regional chief. But uh, the I suppose the the regional chief didn't have uh, sort of independent uh, decision making uh, because as we as we always say, uh, the First Nations are the rights holders, not uh, not the AFN, uh, and you're the AFN representative. So you have um, you're in a, a unique uh, position. So what? In that unique position, what uh, can you do, and what are you, and what are your goals? Um, hard, uh, what I view is a, a rather key issue is to identify um, the priority issues within the region. Um, and that, that's the whole region, you know, and to really solidify that to. You know, I get a firm idea on what does leadership want to advance collectively, you know, on, on behalf of the region and, you know, act as an advocate, you know, to, to support their initiatives, um, to provide support, you know, um, with government, whether it's federal or provincial to help uh, support and enhance relationships, not only um, with government and various levels of government, but within the Mi'kmaq nation itself, within the region. 
between communities. So that that is something I'm really looking forward to because, you know, it, it's important to have that as a main priority area. Obviously, there's other sort of uh, roles to the position um, through the AFN executive. They have mandates, uh, portfolios uh, provided by the uh, national chief. And it's an important, I think it's very important to seek uh, an alignment between those priorities, the national priorities and the regional priorities. And, you know, um, it's a basis for review, you know, to um, ensure that I'm doing, you know, the things that I need to do, that I'm focused on the appropriate issues that need to be focused on. So that's something that um, I'm looking to do and get further clarity on. Would you see yourself having any role in um, the uh, issue of moderate livelihood fisheries? It's been decades since we got the Marshall decision, and uh, Mi'kmaq, Lobster fishers are still being harassed by DFO, and um, and uh, you know there are many people living in, in poverty. You know, I I just know within the context of Nova Scotia, and I'm sure within uh, the larger region region of Newfoundland that that the Marshall decision is a central issue. And as you mentioned, you know there has been certain activities of uh, members looking to have recognition, uh, communities looking to have recognition of uh, Supreme Court of Canada decision, you know, that recognized uh, a treaty right, uh, a constitutional right, you know, um, so you have, you know, the Constitution is the highest law in this country, and it's been recognized and affirmed by the Supreme Court of Canada, the highest court in this country. Canada operates on the basis of rule of law, so, you know, it's a law that sort of prevails. So it's really up to government to essentially, you know, recognize and, you know, respect and implement their own laws. So there's a real need for government to recognize the laws within their own country and, and to seek a path forward that addresses the needs of Mi'kmaq people throughout the region. So um, certainly that that is a component that I'm looking to certainly advocate on behalf of the region, you know, to take that into account because it's certainly a pressing issue for all Mi'kmaq. I think you as a regional chief are unique in the sense that you're dealing with um, all 15 um, uh, First Nations in Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, are Mi'kmaq First Nations, and I think uh, I'm pretty sure that's the only region in Canada where there's uh, where we're dealing with one one nation. So that's uh, I guess that's a little advantage for you. There's a, a bit of cohesiveness uh, there, but then we have the Nova Scotia Newfoundland uh, situation, and of course we have 13 chiefs in Nova Scotia, only two in Newfoundland. And there's been some talk uh, about Newfoundland um, getting its own regional chief. I, I, I think that the matter of um, distinct representation on behalf of Newfoundland is a matter that rests squarely within the context of Newfoundland. 
and their leadership, you know, and, you know, if there's a mandate that people want to pursue that independently, then I think I'm duty bound to promote that, you know, and, you know, I would like to, to think that, um, you know, um, that my role and the activities that I undertake that it, it could provide a basis for them to to believe that, you know, it is potentially possible for, you know, uh, a regional chief to, you know, advocate and, you know, uh, move forward on the interests throughout the region. But, you know, it, it's, I, I believe, squarely within the, the leadership of Newfoundland. And if that's something they want, then, you know, that's something I support, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so that's how I view it. And um, so, you know, through my discussions and, you know, as I move forward, I, you know, I, I'm open to, you know, finding out what are the unique issues and features of this and, you know, and to see where we go in that regard. Paul Prosper, the new regional chief for Newfoundland and Nova Scotia. We reached out to the three other candidates, Judy White, and to Chief Andrea Paul of Picto Landing First Nation, and to lawyer Rosalie Francis of Indian Brook, Nova Scotia. We received no response. Speaking of personnel changes, there's a new minister responsible for Indigenous Affairs and Reconciliation for Newfoundland and Labrador. And it is an Indigenous woman. Lisa Dempster is the MHE for Cartwright Lance Clare. She's from Southern Labrador and a member of Nudatukavut. She is also the minister responsible for Labrador affairs and for the status of women. I spoke with Lisa Dempster on August 31st as she was taking over her new portfolios. Minister, thanks for coming on the program uh, and congratulations on your appointment as Minister of Indigenous Affairs and Reconciliation. It's good to have an Indigenous woman in the portfolio. And um, I think our listeners will be interested to know about a little bit about you, that you're from um, the coast of uh, the, about, from Southern Labrador, and um, you used to work uh, as a staff person, I think, for Nunatukavut, and, um, and you've been on the town council in uh, in Charlottetown, in uh, your your hometown in uh, Southern Labrador. So you have lots of you have community and indigenous credentials coming into the role. Yes, uh, thank you, uh, Glenn, and hello to your listeners. Let me start by saying I was very pleased and honored to have been asked to take on responsibility for what I see as three equally very important cabinet portfolios, the Indigenous Affairs and Reconciliation, as you alluded to, Labrador Affairs, Labrador is my home, born and raised, and also as the minister responsible for the status of women, also very, very important. And I do believe, I'm, I was humbled when the Premier asked me to take on uh, what uh, some might see as a tall order, but I believe as an Indigenous woman who grew up in coastal Labrador, most of my time there we were completely isolated. We didn't get the road connect out until December 2001. So born and raised in Labrador, uh, a very proud member of the Nunatuvit Community Council, and yes, my last decade of employment prior to public life uh, was with Nunatuvit. 
also, since I have come into public life in 2013, I did spend five years representing this province on a national steering committee of Commonwealth women parliamentarians. Mm -hmm. So maybe, Glenn, for your listeners, you know, you don't necessarily at first brush see all of the intersectionalities of the three different portfolios, Mm -hmm. but they're definitely there, and I believe I bring some experience to all three, given my history. And for sure, uh, you know, I've spent... Uh, a lot of years in community. You mentioned my time as deputy mayor, but I've uh, moved back. I've moved away only for post-secondary schooling. I moved back to uh, southern Labrador in the early 90s and uh, very much involved at a community level, at a regional level, at a provincial level. How do you get back and forth to uh to Charlottetown. I, I do appreciate the question and I would I would say of the forty members that sit in the provincial legislature here in Newfoundland and Labrador, I do have uh the furthest travel. Going home is always a priority, connecting back with the folks that, that have hired me again and again and again now in thirteen, fourteen and two general elections in fifteen and nineteen. So uh Labrador is a regular weekend stop for me. Uh, so I go one of two ways. I fly into mostly Blanc Sablon, Blanc, mm-hmm. uh, which is a two-hour plane ride, and then I have a 275k drive north to my hometown of Charlottetown. My constituency office is in Forto, which is just 20 minutes from the airport in Blanc Sablon. So it's generally a fly-in take care of the week's constituency business, work my way up the coast, which is great because it lets me drive through my district. However, I do have more flight flexibility if I fly into Goose Bay, which is three hours on a plane. Uh, Now that will give me an opportunity to spend some time in the Labrador Affairs Secretariat office. And then I have a 420K drive uh, to the coast. So I do either one. Winter, it's a nice road. We're still working on the pavement, but uh, it's not bad, and I've been doing this now for seven-plus years. You've gone through the uh, the briefing process. So what are the... Uh, and you've got the mandate letter from the Premier. So uh, what can you tell us about the priorities? For example, will we be getting the apology apology to residential school survivors that did not happen under outgoing uh, Premier Dwight Ball? And what other, what would be the, you know, top three or four priorities that have been set in this um, portfolio going forward under your leadership? So I'll just back up for a moment to say uh, we're not through briefings. Uh, we, uh, we're we very early days in briefings, and, you know, we're just into week two uh, settling in since my, uh, my swearing in. Uh, we were very happy to come on the show and talk uh, preliminary uh, and, you know, have a chat uh, so your listeners could uh, you know, get a deeper appreciation for the new Minister of Indigenous Affairs and Reconciliation. I will say uh, with regard to the apology, that commitment is there. The former premier made the commitment, and it would have happened during his time in office had it not been for COVID-19 and finding our way through the province's first public health emergency and the limitations on numbers, physical distancing, and things like that. So uh, we will certainly find a window at the first opportunity when it is, 
you know, within public health measures and guidelines safe to do so, that the apology is a very high priority. And while there were some, you know, files that the, the former Minister of Indigenous Affairs had been working on that will carry over to me, I want to say to your listeners in Labrador and on the island to the five Indigenous groups, my first out of the gate will be to sit with these leaders that I all of whom I already have what I believe is a positive working relationship with. I've been at the Indigenous uh, uh, Roundtable in 1718. Now we're going to be planning a third uh, roundtable and in my other various capacities. You mentioned that you had uh, spoken with uh, Chief Mizal Joe. One of the things he's been discussing lately is the extent of racism towards Indigenous people in, in Newfoundland Labrador. Um, do you agree with him that there is a lot of racism still? And will uh, is there are there things that your department can do um, to deal with that issue? First of all, let me say, when I'm asked about racism and I do a little time check and it's 2020, uh, it saddens me that we're having this conversation. Uh, but I want to remind your listeners that we are against racism. We're against racism in all forms and manifestations and it is our mission i believe it's i believe it's incumbent upon all of us that we have to eliminate i mean we went through some of our own challenges in recent months and uh, the former premier sat with an indigenous group and there's uh you know a terms of reference that have been drafted and you're talking about the the percy trooper matter I, i presume Correct. Mm-hmm. So we are moving forward. The commitment has been made uh, to, uh, you know, once the terms of reference is finalized, to move right across departments to, to civil servants where we will ensure that cultural values of all of the Indigenous groups are understood and appreciated, you know, and that we have a greater understanding uh, and respect. Lisa Dempster. Minister Responsible for Indigenous Affairs and Reconciliation in Newfoundland and Labrador. And that's it for the program. Before we go, we ask a small favor. If you listen to us via podcast, and wouldn't mind doing so, could you please like us on whatever platform you download us from? That will help other people find us more easily and learn about Mi'kmaq people politics. Alison Baker is the producer of Mi'kmaq Matters. I'm Glenn Wheeler, Nemaltus. <laughs>